Hi, you're listening to the Slow Life Project podcast with me, Lana Hall, a show dedicated to helping you find confidence, meaning, and true joy in your life. Through my own tips and tricks, as well as interviews with others, you'll learn to slow down, get real, and feel happy. Let's get started. Lana Hall here with another episode of the Slow Life Project podcast. Welcome and thanks for listening. Today, I want to talk about the intersection of self-care with work. We often think about self-care as something that we have to fit in around work and other responsibilities. And because of that, it often falls to the bottom of the pile and doesn't get done. And there's two ways to approach this. So if you are in a position where you're managing or leading a team of people, then you might want to have a think about how do I put some of these practices into place at my workplace, what's going to work for us. And if you are an employee, having a think about how you can actually take care of yourself while you're at work so that it doesn't feel like an extra pressure and a have to that's got to be fitted in at the end of the day when you might have limited time and energy. So there's five different ways that we can take care of ourselves in terms of the the absolute basics of self-care. And they're sleep, what we're eating, how we're moving our body, uh, being social and hobbies. So, you know, as you can hear, that might not be things that you normally associate with your workplace. So let's talk through them one by one. And I just want to give you some ideas for implementing it in the workplace. Obviously, not everything's going to work for everybody, but hopefully you hear an idea or two today that that sparks some ideas for you about how could this could work for you personally. So the first one is sleep, and honestly, that's probably the hardest one to do anything about in the work environment, but a couple of things to think about are flexible work arrangements. So if you have any flexible work arrangements, having a think about how can I use those to my advantage? And if you're a manager, if you've got an employee who's always coming in late, does it make sense to alter their start hour so that instead of coming in flustered and rushed at 9.30 when you expected them at 9, that they just work a 10 to 6 day so that they arrive feeling organized, calm, confident, and both you are less annoyed by that and they come into their day feeling more confident about who they are because no one feels good rushing into things late. So if there's any flexibility with work times, you want to work to your schedule. Some people are morning people, some people are afternoon people, and as much as you can adjust your work hours so that you're going to be at your best for part of the time you're there, that's a great thing to think about. Um, you want to minimize changing your work hours wherever possible. Our bodies are so routine driven. So if you can stick to a routine, that really helps. And the other thing to think about with sleep is that it's recommended that you don't have any screen time and that's at all, which I think would be a big stretch for a lot of people. So (laughs) you can pair that back to, um, at least no thinking about work for a couple of hours before bed. So two is what's recommended there. So you need to keep that in mind if you're an employee and you work from home or a manager and you work from home. (laughs) It applies to everybody. 
uh, I need to give myself two hours between when I stop working and when I go to bed. And then if you're a manager, you want to think about this culturally and when do you send emails, when do you expect people to respond to emails. And there's a great trick you can do with your email. Most clients have it now, I think. You just have to find it on your particular email system where you can send things later so that if you happen to be working quite late but you wouldn't want to put that expectation on others, that the emails just appear in their inbox at 7 o'clock the next morning. Uh, and that's really a cultural thing, you know, that you do want to be promoting if you have any opportunity to do this, a workplace culture where people aren't expected to be on and responding all the time and from, you know, your side, turning notifications off, not having the work laptop anywhere visible will help you with that wind down for sleep. All right. The second one is around food and and what we're eating and how that helps with mental health. Obviously, so much advice around healthy eating and what makes a good diet, and a lot of it's fairly conflicting. So the the two things that I think every diet I've ever looked at um, agree upon is drinking water is good and eating vegetables is good and paying attention while you eat your food, so not rushing, not doing something else, is good. It's good from a mental health perspective, but it's actually good for digestion. You chew better when you're eating slowly and mindfully. So how do we bring this into the workplace? It's it's taking the time to think about it. So if you only like cold water, you've got to make sure you have a water bottle at work that gets kept in the fridge so that you have access to drinking water that you actually want to drink. If you're a company, you can look into things like supplying filtered water. There's suppliers that you can order weekly fruit boxes and they just deliver it to the workplace. And then, you know, fruit is the thing that's there for people to eat rather than just having access to vending machines, making sure that there's herbal teas as well as a regular tea and coffee available because that helps people keep people hydrated, which is actually really important. If people aren't drinking enough water, they get headaches, they get irritable, they struggle to concentrate. So even just something basic like this can actually improve people's productivity and performance at work. And the other thing to think about is taking a lunch break and not eating at your desk. So you can model this as a good behavior for other people and it's just something that's important to do for yourself as well. So research shows that people who take a proper lunch break, and it doesn't have to be a long lunch break, but it has to be move out of the work environment, have something to eat and pay attention while you're eating so that you're taking a break from thinking about work and so you are doing those things like chewing properly. These people are way more productive in the afternoon than people who work through their lunch break. So if you work through, if you don't give your brain a break, regardless of whether you eat or not, your brain is fatigued and the work that you produce after uh, lunch is going to be of lower quality and it takes you longer to produce it. So it sounds funny, actually saves you time to take a lunch break. The third area is exercise, and 
With exercise, the way we want to think about it is that any and all movement is good movement. It's often called incidental exercise. And that's the type of exercise you're mostly going to be getting at work. Some people might be fortunate enough to have a gym nearby and enough time to go to the gym at lunch. Uh, but for everyone else, we're just thinking about the the small things we can do that help our bodies to move. So a couple of ideas with that is get up and talk to people if you're in an office rather than doing things by email. You can always voice record longer conversations if you want to have a record. I mean, that would be easier than having to write everything down in an email. Uh, but just getting up is a good way to increase, you know, the blood flow, the circulation. And this is good for our bodies, but it's also good for our brain, which is part of our body. More blood flow means that we we think more clearly. And the second way that I thought about that you could do more movement is the idea of walking meetings. So if there's only two or three people in a meeting, Plan to just walk and have the conversation. It's um it's quite good if you actually want to bring up a difficult topic as well. So most people find it easier to bring up somewhat difficult topics and ideas when they're not looking other people in the eye. And so going for a walk is a great way to get the words out without that kind of direct face-to-face contact. If you don't do meetings much, but you do do phone calls, then getting into the habit of standing up whenever you take a phone call is good as well. And a lot of these things that I'm suggesting have benefits beyond just their initial benefits. We're talking about standing up as a way of helping your body. You know, we're getting a bit more movement in. But when you're standing up, you're actually also more likely to be efficient and direct in your conversation. It's almost like you're halfway out of the conversation when you have it. So when you're standing and you make a phone call, you're actually more likely to wrap up the call quickly. So if you feel like uh, doing these kinds of meetings is costing you a lot of time that you don't have, then standing up will help in that way as well as benefiting your body. Okay, so the fourth area, socialising. Again, how much do we associate this with work? Not necessarily the most. Um, And we want to think about it in a way that's a bit beyond the Friday drinks. So the reason that socialising is a a self-care thing is that it's important to have people in your world who like you and connect with you as a person person and who value as a person, not just for what you do. So regardless of how introverted or extroverted you are, you do need some people in your world to reflect back to you, you are something beyond your job. So how do we fit this in at work, right? (laughs) So a great way to fit it in at work is to, I guess, if you're a manager, you get a bit of interesting play with this in that you can provide feedback to your team around their personal qualities as well as the work that they're producing. So, you know, that's saying things like, you know, I really appreciated the determination you showed in getting this through to the deadline. So the KPI might be producing the work on the deadline, but the determination 
is a personal quality that people are showing that's to do with their character and who they are. It's not to do with their job description. And I've talked about this before as well in terms of your values and how you're showing up in the world, that it's far more effective for your self-esteem and confidence and satisfaction in that task to be focused on how you were determined because that is what is fully under your control and less focused on whether or not you met a KPI. Because if you're determined, you're going to do the best you can to meet the KPI anyway. But sometimes things are out of our control. We can't do anything about um, missing a piece of information, for example, that might cause you to miss the deadline. So by focusing on the determination you showed throughout the whole process, you can still feel good even if you didn't get the result that you wanted. And I think a really fun way to bring this into work is also to talk to people about their work life outside of work uh, and going a little bit beyond what did you do on the weekend, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily always produce the most interesting responses. Uh, When I was doing Toastmasters, they used to start the meeting by saying, does anyone have any achievements that they wanted to share? And they absolutely did not have to be speaking achievements. It was really, you know, it could be quite minor stuff, you know, like having a uh, birthday or celebrating an anniversary or, you know, attending the first market stall to sell some earrings, but things that told you about who that person was. And that was a, just a really nice space and everyone knew that the, the question was coming up. And so if you had anything you're excited to share about, you didn't have to wait for somebody to ask you. You knew that time was there. And quite a few times in the break, in the meeting, I would then go and ask that person more about the thing that they brought up because I was interested. And so in that way, we got to know each other outside just the topics that we were talking about when we were speaking. Alrighty. And so related to that is the idea of hobbies. Self-care wise, the idea is you want to have at least one other area of interest in your life that's outside of work and it's outside of you know, just your day-to-day home life. So how do we bring a hobby into work when we're meant to be working? Um, Part of it is just having those conversations with other people about what they're doing outside of work. And it can often be helpful. I've seen this done in a few different businesses where they create team events that are based around other people's hobbies. So I've been part of a workplace where we were all in a betting pool on who was going to win. I don't even know what it was called. Uh, maybe like Australia's The Voice or something. This is a long time ago. <laughs> and so the person who organised that was really passionate about that TV show and so kind of brought us all into that and sharing that passion with us. Uh, some people do it around things like football and the finals around that, but you could do it around literally anything, you know, MasterChef, cooking competitions, people cooking different dishes based on what's interesting to them, you know, if they've been to a country recently or, you know, like if they grew up in a different country to the one they're in now. It's just about doing a bit of creative thinking about how you can do that. 
And you don't even need your team to be on board. You know, you can just bring in food and be like, I cook this because I went to Japan last year. You know, you don't need to wait for other people to ask you. You can just share. And in doing that, you become a more well-rounded person and more interesting and it kind of keeps you engaged as well if everyone's really excited by the fact that you did go to Japan and now you can cook this food you'll be more motivated to keep learning about Japanese cooking or whatever aspects you know of life you're interested I like cooking (laughs) that's my example uh the other thing to think about is just a quick break in the afternoon that lets people use their their talents so um, doing yoga, trivia, people just sharing a funny video with the group where you're all actually watching it at the same time. These are just tiny little things that don't take much time at all, but it really, you know, helps bond us to other people and it does just give you this insight into the interests and the preferences of the people you work with without having to have a direct conversation about it. You just watch the video and you're like, oh, okay, they're really interested in this topic, you know? And either you know that and you don't care or you know that and you're like, oh, me too, or that's really interesting and you build that. But that's a a different way to think about hobbies that, you know, normally we would practice outside the work environment and how we can bring some of that into the workplace to be able to share that with others. So if it's just you thinking about this for yourself, then it's about um, showing up and sharing your hobbies. If you're a team leader, manager, then you can formally introduce this. And I think even if you're not a team leader or manager, you can suggest this kind of thing at team meetings too. Alrighty. So there we go. We've got the five basic areas for self-care, sleep, diet, exercise, socializing, hobbies and some different ideas on how we can take care of ourselves and other people in the workplace by just doing a few little things differently, you know, just devoting small amounts of time, changing small habits so that we are touching on some of this self-care stuff regularly, easily, and before we get home at night. So I'd love for you to pick a suggestion that resonated with you from what I've talked about today, or if you've had your own idea, love to hear about it. Email me hello at the slowlifeproject.com and definitely go and implement that idea in your workplace uh, so that you can get started on on doing more of this this self-care at work, you know, and and doing that is going to lead to more satisfaction and more joy for you and for the people in your team. So it's well worth doing. (laughs) Uh, And just to let you guys know, I am currently focusing on workshops for businesses where I am going into businesses and doing training around things like preventing burnout, as well as how to use positive psychology in the workplace. And everything that we've talked about on this episode is part of those kind of tips and tricks that are in the workshops that I give around how we can kind of make ourselves more productive, but also just more satisfied and 
happier at work. And I think it's really interesting to know how do I actually do better and feel good about it, you know, that I can be more productive without being more exhausted. And it is things like, you know, that lunch break that surprisingly taking the break, which feels good, also leads to us being our best selves at work. So if you're interested in one of those workshops for your workplace and your team, again, hello at theslowlifeproject.com is definitely the best place to contact me. All right. I hope you have a lovely self-caring week and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Slow Life Project podcast. I hope you have a calm, confident and joyful week. If you'd love more tips or support from me, be sure to subscribe to the podcast or head to my website, theslowlifeproject.com. Thank you.